welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome to Great Shot Kid, the podcast on the Nerd Party Network that looks at the technical and uh, motivational and process-related questions having to do with film and filmmakers, especially when they're concerned with a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, John. And I'm Mike. And uh, this week, we have a very intriguing topic for you. Before we get to it, of course, you can reach us at thenerdparty.com slash contact. And at thenerdparty.com, you can find all of the interesting shows that are on the Nerd Party, everything from Filibuster, which is our general topic show, over to uh, the, our Doctor Who show, Time and Space, Aggressive Negotiations, Nerd Nuptial. You want it, we've got it. Come on over to the Nerd Party. And, of course, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thenerdparty and have them scrape your data while you can go over to Twitter and go to at join Nerd Party and tweet us there. And over on Instagram, of course, it's the Nerd Party. In all of those cases, please use the hashtag GreatShotKid so that we know that you're talking to us, about us, or for us. Now, all of that out of the way, Mike. Uh, I know that you had a question for me, so I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to open the floor and let you ask that question. Okay, well, um, you know, this is inspired by our Nerd Party Slack channel, which we, <laughs> I guess it's there for planning purposes, but more than anything, we use it to um, debate movies, mm -hmm. movie news, and, uh, you know, we have some spirited debates. They're usually about, you know, dumb things like, is the Spawn cartoon better than the Spawn live-action film, or... You know, uh, is Dark Angel James Cameron's masterpiece or whatever <laughs> we're talking about. Yeah. But um, occasionally we get on the topic of Star Wars and uh, this uh, this this topic came up yesterday in relation to some news regarding uh, Ryan Johnson and his uh, plan, I guess you could say, for his own personal Star Wars trilogy mm -hmm. and that that bit of news spawned a debate which was uh, I don't know rather interesting and it got me thinking about you know what it is that we want out of these new Star Wars movies and more specifically what we want out of the creators of these new Star Wars movies mm -hmm. because I think that, you know, I mean, we saw this divide with Last Jedi, right? Where there were people who loved it, like me, and people who didn't really like it, like you, right? I, now, now, see, the thing is, there, there's a, I, I want to make sure that we, we don't just talk in generalities there. By your own admission, on the second viewing, you went to questioning whether you actually liked it. And then it was on the third viewing after you, uh, you know, had some interpretation time where you fully embraced it. You fully embraced it as a masterpiece. I think that because my criticisms have been very out there, I, I, have, I have not hidden them at any point, there's a misconception. I gave the movie, you know, like if you want to put it on a rating scale, a three out of five average movie score. You know, I wasn't upset that I saw it. I wasn't in love with it. There were things that I thought really worked, things I didn't. So it's not that I didn't like it. It's that I liked it, but I have been free with my criticism of it, as I think I'm free with my criticism of anything else. I, I you know, 
Okay, but let's just go down the list just to give people an idea of you know where it falls in your overall rankings. Let's let's give your star ratings, and I'll give mine too, for every single Star Wars movie, starting with Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Yeah, I, what would I, you give it? Gosh, uh, you know, honestly, I don't typically give them star ratings. I, I know. So so so, but let's do this. Let's do this. Okay, you're on Letterboxd. You just watched Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Yes. You got to fill in your entry. Mm-hmm. What do you give A New Hope? Five stars. Okay, I'd probably give it five stars too. What yeah. about Empire? I would give Empire five stars. Me too. What about Jedi? Five stars. Me too. What about uh, Episode One? Episode One, four and a half stars. Okay, I'd probably give it four, but that's the nostalgia talking. If I'm being completely honest with myself, it's a three star movie. Interesting. What about okay. what about Attack of the Clones? Attack of the Clones, I give a solid four, four and a half, depending on my mood. Okay, it's probably four for me as well. Um, and and uh, Revenge of the Sith, a hundred stars. <laughs> And, and I, I would probably give it uh, like four stars. I think I gave it on my last viewing. You know, okay. My my opinion of it has definitely declined since since originally seeing it, but I still think it's very good. Okay, and then Clone Wars. Uh, Clone Wars, I gave a solid three and a half. Okay, I give that three. Okay, and I think I'm being generous, to be honest. Uh, it one. it could easily be negotiated up to a four, just because its place within. But as a standalone, I think it's a three and a half. Okay. All right. And then episode seven? Uh, episode seven, four. Okay, I give it five. Rogue One? Rogue One's a toughie. Rogue One is probably three and a half, if I'm brutally honest with myself. A four, if I kind of look at my phone for the first 35 minutes and then plug back in right around Forrest Whitaker showing up on Jetta. Okay, I give it a four for now, but it definitely has the potential to bump up to five at some point down the line. And 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 then we have Last Jedi, which you said is a three, and I, I initially said as a five, I might move that down to four uh, at this point in time. And it'll be very interesting for me because I have not set uh, an eye on it since the theatrical run. I have yet to rewatch it. I'm watching all of the behind-the-scenes stuff. I'm sort of doing in reverse. Uh, you know, like usually you go in, I want to be as spoiler-free as possible, get my first viewing and everything. This time, I'm viewing all the supplemental stuff first and then taking hopefully a more... Um, bringing in the baggage of it. You know, like with, with Star Trek V, you know, everybody knows my baggage with that. When I watch that now, I'm not watching what's actually playing on the screen. I'm watching everything in my head that's laying over, you know, what's on the screen. And I'm trying to give Last Jedi that benefit. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I watched the, the the movie at home just this week, and I haven't had a chance to watch the special features yet. I, I really do want to watch... Well, I want to watch the documentary, and then I want to watch the commentary, and I want to watch the uh, isolated score um, version as well. The deleted so. scenes hold no interest for you? Oh, yeah, sure. I'll turn those on as well. I, I will say hands down that the scene, the version of Phasma's death that was cut for what appeared in the film, I would not have, I would have, it would have been like one less uh, like red mark on the film for me if they had kept the way it originally went. It was See, so much better. 
I think I saw that with the sound off because I think someone posted it on Twitter or something like that. But like watching it this time, I was thinking about that because there were a lot of people who were saying what you were saying. And I'm like, boy, I don't have a problem with the way that she dies in this. Same thing with, you know, a lot of people are talking about what like Luke Skywalker, a.k.a. Mark Hamill said something in the news lately or something or someone was quote I don't know I just read a poll quote from Twitter mm-hmm. where he's like uh you had enough time for him to drink the green milk out of the you know water cow thing but you can't have him react to Han's death or whatever very powerful moment doesn't make sense why it was cut but like the way that it plays in the movie like for one thing, as far as the the milk scene is concerned, I mean, I can totally understand why that's in there because you're showing the life that he's living. I mean, that's very... I mean, that's, that's a big character moment for me because yeah, it's showing I, I don't to have the a... lengths that he, he's gone to, you know, live this life or whatever. Yes, but this is why the Han scene would have been better. And even the, there's a later scene, the, the quote-unquote third test scene, uh, that's better because I'm fine with showing him milk the sea cow. I actually didn't have a problem. I think that that is an example of the humor that worked in the film versus, you know, some of the other humor that didn't, but then having that scene, you know, a counterpoint of him sitting there showing him when he's alone crying and reacting to Han's death shows the inner turmoil that he's going through. Does that communicate later, of course, because he comes back and blah, 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 blah. But I think it just creates a stronger character arc for him to have included that. That's what I, I'm see, saying. I mean, like, I, he he's such a good actor that, you know, he conveys all of that in his one line where he goes, like, where's Han? And you don't need anything after that. You know, you don't need... It's... Like, I, I don't... I totally got his inner turmoil as soon as he said, where's you, oh, Okay, you know what? I would rather have a scene showing him crying alone than having a forced cameo of Maz Kanata by hologram uh, just for a couple of yucks and giggles to send them off to Canto. But you can address that by any of a hundred other... And don't do that. You know that they could have done that any of a hundred different ways and not even gone to Cano Bite. But that brings us back to your question because that is specifically what I get at. And I know I'm getting animated here, but that's the thing is Ryan Johnson is a good guy. I like, I I have a feeling I'd like him if I met him. I have a feeling that, you know, I, I, it's not like I'm going to walk in a room and be like, why? I'd be like, wow, Hey, you got to make a star Wars movie. That's cool. That's great. And I loved Brick. That's awesome. Thanks, man. What I'm looking for primarily in a Star Wars director is somebody who doesn't just give moments, but gives a cohesion. And the biggest problem that I had with Last Jedi, and the reason it's a three star for me, is there were moments that lacked cohesion or lacked overall story purpose. And when I sit down in any film, I want, unless I'm sitting down for a David Lynch movie, because I know what I'm getting with a David Lynch movie, okay? It's going to be bat-ass crazy. And when I sit down for a Wes Anderson movie, okay, we've got the artifice and things look fake. I get that. But with a 
a narrative like this, a dedicated narrative, this film played more like a series of moments than a cohesive whole. So what I'm looking for in a director is somebody who can give me moments and the, co the cohesive whole that can give me through lines that hold it all together so that I'm not sitting there saying, wow, I love this moment with Ray and Kylo. This is really cool. I like them connected over thing. Oh, wow, Snoke's doing it. That's really interesting. Oh, all right, horses. Yeah, all right, cool. Can we get back to the stuff I care about? Okay, I'll, I'll address that in a second, but just one last thing with the whole, you know, Luke reacting to Hans thing. I don't know if you listened to Kevin Smith's review of, of Last Jedi. No. It's it's amazing, but <laughs> there's this one moment in there where he starts talking about, like, how what he would have done in that scene, you know, where, like, after he goes, you know, where's Han? He's like, I would have had him... Uh, sit down with Chewie and just have Chewie like explain the whole thing to him, tell him the whole story in Wookiee without any subtitles or whatever. And then just while you hear Chewie going like, you just like hold on, on Mark Hamill's face, you know, as he's like reacting to the story. And it's like, we know what Chewie's saying, but he actually understands him. And I, I, I would have loved to see that because well, for one thing, it sounds hilarious, but also I think it would have been very effective. I I wouldn't say hilarious. I think that would actually be a great way to deal with the scene. I'd it's, be fine it, with that. It's funny because like you don't you've never seen Chewie give a monologue before, right? So it, it that naturally is a is a funny thing, right? It just is. Well, I I I think it gives Chewie a a, a great purpose in the film. If he, if he had been somebody yeah. to relay information. Yeah, but regardless of that, anyway, as far as, like, the, the lacking cohesion or whatever, I mean, I think that's a weird thing to say about this movie because it's not like a David Lynch movie. It doesn't have lots of threads that don't go anywhere. I mean, you look at the storyline that you're talking about, and it does go to a place. You know, in the end, they fail, but these people do go on an adventure, and within that ad adventure, there are mini arcs and everything, just like you see in all of the other Star Wars movies. And, you know, they all have something to say about the world and about these characters and everything like that. And it is a character-building scene or uh, sequence for everyone involved. And in the end, they fail. And I think that that's interesting. I think that that's an, an interesting plot thread but it also sets up a lot of other stuff in terms of like antagonism between you know uh oscar isaac and laura dern and everything i mean there is a purpose to that stuff and even though you can say like well they went on this whole long subplot to do this thing and they didn't even do that thing i mean i i think that that's kind of beside the point no, it's and not. It's not beside the point because the, it is. No, it's not beside the point. Not at all beside the point. When you watch Black Panther, did somebody go off and and do something that, in the end, ultimately didn't do anything? Like didn't produce any anything so, at all? Okay, then let me ask you this question: If at the end they would have succeeded, and that would have been what propelled the story into the final act, 
would you no longer have a problem with the stuff in the casino or the stuff with Benicio del Toro or the stuff with the horses or anything like that is the only problem that you have with it that it, you know, once they get to the end, it doesn't propel the plot forward. No, that's I mean, the biggest, that the... that's the biggest problem I have. Okay. With it. But I mean, what about the, the way that it propels the characters forward? What, how, how does it propel the characters forward? If anything, and and the thing is, it it winds up you have he wa- you wind up having to regress characters from a point that they achieved at the end of the last film to have them serve this sort of need that you've created out of it. Like it's even even the speeder thing, the the speeder thing on crate doesn't really serve any purpose except to be a cool visual. Okay, it's a cool visual. I'll give you that. But, like, the sense of the maybe cohesion isn't a word that, that, you know, is the right word or something like that, but there are too many moments that didn't, uh, did not communicate uh, the necessary amount of relation to the main arc, didn't serve the story overall. And again, all of this stuff doesn't take away from the fact that I loved Adam Driver. But I want somebody who's going to give me those moments with Adam Driver while at the same time, if you're going to give me a side plot, if you're going to split people up the way you do in Empire Strikes Back, then have it be at the service of the greater story the way that is, the way that, that winds up tying everything together. Okay, then let's talk about The Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Um, Han and Leia and Chewie and 3PO go to Bespin in order to fix the Falcon so that they can get away from the Empire, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. How many of those things happen in the end, right? And now let's look at it from the flip. They don't fix the Falcon. They don't get away from the Empire. Now let's look at it from the flip side, right? It's, no. it's R2 okay. who fixed the Falcon, fixes the Falcon. But now let's look at it from the flip side. Um, no, actually, the, the hyperdrive was, in fact, repaired. It was just turned off. R2 didn't fix it so much as flip the light switch that made it possible for them, for them to go to light speed. Okay, well, regardless, okay, the, the, the point is, when they, when they left, it, it, wasn't, it, was not, it had nothing to do with Bespin that, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, was it, was it fixed? Whatever, it doesn't matter. Th- that, th- but let's look at it from the other side now. Let's look at mm-hmm. it from the other mm-hmm. side. Because, I mean, they, they lost Han in the process. He didn't get away, you know. They, what they, was Vader's motivation for even chasing the Falcon? What did it have to do with? It had to do with luring Luke into... With capturing Luke. Yes. Right, capturing Luke. So so Vader gets to Bespin, right? And he mm-hmm. freezes Han, you know, one of the most emotional scenes in the trilogy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or whatever, in all movies. He freezes Han. Why does he do that? What's his motivation? To test it out for Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And he never gets to freeze Luke Skywalker. So does that... Like, no, see, th- this, is, this, is, this is what you're doing, is you're taking my complaint about the fact that Canto Bite is a messy subplot that, if anything, goes in circles and nobody really progresses or goes anywhere with it. It just puts them... It takes a really roundabout way to get them where they were going to end up anyway. And you're instead saying, well, Vader didn't succeed in doing this. That's the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing at 
at all. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't just have to do with the fact that they don't succeed. It has to do with the fact that the the timeline in the entire film is out of whack. There's no. There's no. Time. They introduce a time lock that you're running out of fuel and all of this stuff, and then the Canto Bite stuff takes so long, and Ray's over here on this other planet that the time lock is broken uh, until it, it absolutely needs to be thrown back in there to create this the you know the, this slow motion chase scene. Okay, okay. I don't see how you could possibly complain about that when we're talking about Empire over here, which does that to the nth degree. What, you know? what, uh, what time lock does it have that, that it breaks in Empire? Well, it's what, got... what, at what point do they have something where they have a stated amount of time they have left? And then you have all of this stuff going on and you say, well, wait a minute. How long was Ray over on Octo then? And how long were they over on Cano Bite? And how long did it take them to get back over there? Because this sure seems a stretch with the amount of time you've communicated to me that you have Okay, but left. well, they didn't communicate exactly how much time that they had left. But regardless of that, I mean, look at look at the way that that you know those two storylines in Empire play fast and loose with with the amount of, of time that it takes to tell those two stories. It's no different from what's going on in Last Jedi. No, that I, you and I are never going to see eye to eye on this. It is how, is okay? Is the long, long did, and the short of it here? How long did it take Luke to train to become a Jedi? In the end, it doesn't matter. Oh, because okay. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm because just saying. <laughs> because at some point did Yoda say you have you have to spend this specific amount of time? Are we even sure how long it takes the Falcon to run away and stuff like that? And they obviously don't have hyperdrive, so we know that it's going to take longer than what has now been you know thrown in there with the JJ verse of you know. And I'm not complaining about that, where hyperspace is now exact, you know, it's like one second to get around places. There was always the sense, if you go back even to the original Star Wars, they were in hyperspace for a duration of time to get to Alderaan. And it took them a fair amount of time to get to Alderaan. But the thing is, it's not about nitpicking that sort of thing. You're recasting my argument into this nitpicking thing, like I'm saying they have exactly 15 hours and 33 minutes before this happens. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that it's not even playing fast and loose. It's putting it in a situation where the sense of time, these these three things going on, don't seem to be occurring at the same speed uh, as as the other stuff that they're related to. That That's what I'm saying. And to, to get back to... What I want in a director, it would be somebody that would have it structured in such a way where if they introduce this sense of urgency, a time lock, then they're they're going to be uh, more aware of, of that structure that they've set up for themselves. Okay, I honestly don't see how what you're talking about is any different from Empire Strikes Back. But regardless of that, I really don't. But regard, aside from the fact that they state a specific amount of time at the end, they say, like, we have, like, an hour or something like that. But otherwise, they just say, we need to do this quickly. But regardless, it, okay, getting back to the to what, what, what we want out of a filmmaker thing. I mean, I guess that's a very... I get. I guess what 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 I'm thinking is like, 
that's a very sort of nuts and bolts uh, piece mm-hmm. of criteria, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I was thinking of the question in a much broader sense. Like, do you want someone who is going to um, continue the story in the traditional George Lucas sense? Do you want someone who is going to change the way that movies are made in the George Lucas sense? Or do you want like an auteur who is going to do their own thing in the George Lucas sense? Or do you want um, just a, a, a cohesive universe built on top of what George Lucas did, but maybe not necessarily beholden to his uh, original ideas, just so long as it does fit all together, maybe in the Marvel sense. No, I don't want them to follow the Marvel model. My my complaint about cohesion has to do specifically with this singular work. It doesn't no, have, doesn't yeah. have anything to do. I, I want to make sure that's clear. It has nothing to do with... I, and the thing is, yes, I was thinking very technically where I want somebody with those skill sets as a director in this sense. What I want is I want somebody who is going to challenge intellectually. I want somebody who's going to challenge emotionally. I don't, the only time I care about the template of a, of a star Wars film is when it's the episodes like that's that's the sort of thing where I'm like, okay, this is you're denoting this as a specific type of story. With Rogue One, I think that with less meddling, that would have been even cooler. It would have felt even better and more expansive. Um, and I want, I do, I want somebody. You know, if Ryan Johnson's going to make a trilogy of his own, awesome. I want him to, you know, put all the cards on the table and make it challenging and different and. He doesn't need to use wipes, and he can use uh, lap dissolves if he wants to, and he can use all of those sorts of things. So, I, you know, Lucas himself broke his own mold and, you know, changed things around. If anything, what I would ultimately look for is somebody who has uh, all I really, really bare bones care about is somebody that has a sense of visual storytelling the same way that Lucas did. And the only reason I bring up Lucas's name isn't because he's the creator of Star Wars, but because of the fact that I can turn the sound off and know exactly what he's conveying to me. While at the same time, you know, you look at uh, something like the, the, the end of Revenge of the Sith or certain key sequences throughout the films, there's this beautiful sense of, of editing and flow that verges on the abstract and but still gets you there and is you know a beautiful sort of thing does that make sense is that in line with what you're looking for in a director or i mean yeah i guess i mean i i think the the only the only thing that to me anyway that that last jedi does not accomplish in that set of criteria is that it's an episode number and i i don't personally you know care about that at all because i mean i think that there's a million ways to get to you know the end of the story and and i think that it does fit perfectly fine 
within that, you know, sort of like established storytelling structure or whatever. But, um, I mean, I guess I'm looking for similar things. And I think that in a lot of ways, even though I don't think it's the best of the new movies, I do think that Last Jedi succeeds at most of those things um, in a way that, that the other movies don't, you know. Well, th- this is what I'll say. This is this is the sort of skill that I wish that uh, Ryan Johnson had indulged in more. That make like there is an aspect of him that is exactly what I would be looking for in a director. Instead of feeling the need to have gone epic and have the Canto Bite scene and have the battle on crate at the scale that it was supposed to be at and everything, the place where Last Jedi excels in the, is in the small character moments. I would have loved it if that had just been indulged. If it had just been, if they had said, instead of any big set piece, except for maybe, you know, a lightsaber battle like they have, let's just keep it small. Let's have it people talking to people instead of anything big. I think that if you boil it down and you look only at, because I'm not one of those people that, is going to harp on where he took Luke. I don't necessarily agree with where he took Luke, but I think it spurs some interesting discussions. There are choices along the way that I disagree with, but whatever. That's that's neither here nor there in the end, so long as the discussion is interesting and maybe there's this that I didn't see or, or something like that. But if you were to boil Last Jedi down, I think Ryan Johnson's the perfect type of director to give you a Star Wars film that is intimate, that is up close and says we're going to take a breath from feeling obligated to show you a huge battle and instead or or even you know a bunch of aliens in a bar and just say we're just going to we're going to focus on sort of sort of the way um Star Trek and its finer moments in the original series movies did we're going to focus on Kirk Spock and McCoy everything else is going around but that's where the focus was and if it had kept its focus on that stuff, I think it would have been an absolutely superior work, and that that's the type of stuff that recommends Ryan Johnson to me for a Star Wars film. I mean, it may have been, but again, like that's something which you know, for better or worse, we're, we're never going to see, especially in an episode movie, because you know those set pieces are a part of it, right? I mean, like for years, I've been saying like, let's get a Star Wars movie without any lightsabers in it. It's never going to happen. Well, maybe maybe Solo, we'll see. But it's never going to happen because that's what people think of when they think of Star Wars. And I will say that, you know, whether or not they were extraneous, which I don't think that they were, like the set pieces in this I thought were outstanding. I mean, that lightsaber battle in the throne room was fantastic. fantastic. Highlight and, of the film. And, and the same thing with the crate battle, for sure you know, all the stuff in space as well. You know, I mean, I, I wasn't super into the, uh, the the horse scene, but, you know, again, I think that that's uh, a character moment like you're talking about. I think that that definitely develops, you know, those characters uh, for sure and um, is, and says something about the, the larger universe that we're seeing, you know, which is always cool to see like another side of this galaxy. Right. So, I mean, I don't know, I guess I, I don't really, 
think that that this movie fails in that regard, you know. As as far as I'm I'm concerned, it's it's an unresolvable sort of thing because at the end it comes down to just the same sort of disagreement. And this is the thing that sort of irks me with like the online, you know, arguments. Like I don't get into any discussions online whatsoever about the Last Jedi because it's so toxic. Not because the haters, and not because the lovers, but simply because everybody talks past each other. You and me were having, and yeah, it's been spirited and stuff like that. It's an ongoing discussion, but you and me can sit here and have this discussion. But like Last Jedi. It's just never going to resolve. I mean, there are people who, I mean, I've spent 20 years getting hammered, called stupid on occasion for liking the prequels, right? For loving the prequels. Literal words, stupid, foolish, fanboy, hurled at me for the last couple of decades. Okay. Yeah. You are a fanboy. Yeah. The fanboy thing you can admit to. No? No. No? I don't, I don't, I honestly don't. Not the way I define fanboy. Okay, I mean I because think, I, think I don't. That we're all I don't fanboys and girls here. I don't know. See, for me, a fanboy is going to be somebody who reads all the ancillary material and then gets upset because Boba Fett's backstory doesn't match up with Attack of the Clones. Whereas I see Boba Fett's backstory change at the drop of a hat in Attack of the Clones, and I'm like, awesome, cool, good. I don't care about those books. That's you know, that's stuff to occupy me while I'm waiting for the movie. You okay. know. All right. So for me, a fanboy is somebody that's like, you know, cataloging everything that happened in, you know, whether it's Aftermath or Bloodline or Legends of Luke Skywalker and saying, well, technically what happens in episode eight doesn't jibe with what's said on page 267. Right? I don't care. That's whatever. That's fanboy territory. Okay. All right. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. But you were, you were going to make a point there. I don't know what it was. I don't. I don't know what it was anymore either. But uh, but I mean, the, just just that the last Jedi argument just isn't going to resolve. Like you and me, we don't see eye to eye on this one complaint that I have about it, and that's fine. That's cool. There there are, there are plenty of things that I love where you know you and I would never see eye to eye on what makes me love it. You know, and that's cool. That's fine. Um, I just, you know, I think that that Last Jedi, I think speaking to the cohesion thing, Last Jedi feels like two two good movies that were mushed together into a movie that wasn't as good as it could have been. And that is just how it's, you know, that's just how I'm always going to feel about it when I see it. Like, when I see it for what will only be the third time, when I do watch it, I'm going to be very interested in my reaction. Am I going to have some sort of moment where I've had enough time to sort of like acclimate it that I look at different things in the Canto Bite plot line or, or stuff like that? But I mean, well, I mean, of the directors who have been hired, is anybody jumping out at you as, you know, because it seems like, you know, a third of Hollywood has a Star Wars project upcoming. Is there anybody that jumps out at you where you're like, oh, yes, that's going to give me what I'm looking for? Well, I mean, it's it's interesting because, like, I can tell you, you know, like, Force Awakens is my favorite of the three so far, and the reason for that is because I, I do think it's the most skillfully made, and 
you know, as I've said on many occasions, like J.J. Abrams is one of my favorite directors, so I know that he's going to give me exactly what I want. But at the same time, you know, I, I kind of want someone to give me something that I don't know that I want. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be thrilled with the John Favreau hiring? Well, I'm I'm excited about the John Favreau hiring because he's a really good filmmaker, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I will, will, but but it's not like I'm not like oh yeah, you know. I mean, d- to be honest, I, I think that Ryan Johnson has come closest because it is so outside of the box in a lot of ways, and it does feel more like just a movie and less like Star Wars than anything else, you know? It does not feel like it's playing to the fanboys, for example, if, if, if you know, you want to say that or whatever. It feels like he's making a legit movie that happens to be a Star Wars movie, you know? So, he, so here's a question, though, is if... Isn't that more in the Star Trek mold? Like, what is it that sets Star Wars apart as a franchise if it loses that thing that was some sort of identifier for it in terms of the way the stories are told or the way that they're edited or anything like that? If it loses all of those things, what makes it any more appealing or any different from a Marvel movie or even a DC movie or any other franchise that comes along? Doesn't it just reduce itself to just another franchise? Well, I think there's two things there. One, okay, I think the reason why Star Wars has not had a, a, a large amount of sort of like unique pieces is because Lucas has done everything himself, right? So, you know, now we're getting into the realm where Lucas isn't doing that stuff. And because of that, things are starting to get different and people are kind of like testing the waters to figure out how different you can make it and still keep it Star Wars or whatever. And I, I'm, I'm all for, you know, testing those limits. And the and in some ways you could say like it, does, it, it doesn't make it any different from Star Trek or DC or Marvel or whatever. What I think makes it different why this is not and, and you know the argument could be made and probably if you're going to look at it objectively you would say yeah it is just another franchise you know okay so i you know maybe i shouldn't get any more excited about this the new star wars movie than i am about the new marvel movie or whatever because it is a mixed bag and maybe we shouldn't be so precious about it but I think the difference, to me anyway, and I think the difference to the people making these movies, the exception being Ron Howard, whatever, is that these are movies which everyone who's making them grew up on. You know, not not that they're fanboys, you know, if we want to use that as a derogatory term or whatever, but, you know, they're just people who make movies, they're artists who were inspired by this particular artist, Mm -hmm. and now they get a shot at this property. And that's that's cool. Yeah, and and that's that's the difference. I mean, like, because of that, you know, because just like I have an emotional connection to these movies when I see Han on screen or whatever, 
and you know I'm sort of like overcome with joy and everything and it means all sorts of stuff in terms of like the passage of time you know on screen and in my life and everything like that it's like I I imagine that that same sort of passion and you hear stories about it you know that same sort of passion um is being sort of like experienced or or is being brought to these movies by these filmmakers. And I think that that usually will result in better art. I, uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing is like, it is what it is. And what I, what I want going forward as well is that as they try new things, I want the freedom to be critical of it. I think oh, yeah. that the I think that the trap that has happened is that because I would say that the people who have most v- vociferously defended the Last Jedi um, have set this playing field where it, the message that seems to be coming across is you have to let go of your criticism because you're being too precious about Star Wars. But at the same time, you can't criticize because Star Wars is precious. And it's like, that is that I think is just a trap. I think that's why I don't participate in the online discussions. It's just, I'm just not walking into that wood chipper, man. That's, I don't know, that's different from what I'm seeing. What, what I'm seeing really is... And there, there really does seem to be this division. And I know that we've talked about it before, but I really see this as sort of, you know, and I was surprised by the fan reaction, to be quite honest. Like, people are like, I mean, I know people were, I still don't understand what people are upset about in terms of the characterization of Luke. Like, I, I literally, and not just like I've heard the criticism and I think they're wrong. Like, I literally could not tell you what people are complaining about. I have absolutely no idea. But... Regardless, I could of steer that. you to several outlets where, where my specific complaints are are out there. I'm not. Going to, I, I don't. I don't. I, I kind of don't want to hear them. To be honest, you know, just well, like it's good just that like you're you open don't, to dialogue, just, just like you don't want to engage. You know, whatever. You know, I like with with the the I, I you know because the, there is that you know there is that sort of like. I mean, because we saw it like coming out of the theater, you know, and I mean, in, in a very similar way that, you know, we experienced that with the prequels, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's a similar reaction. But but that but that's the thing is I want the people who are defending it and getting really, really bent out of shape about people who are being critical about it. I think another reason I don't participate is I'm feeling a little bit of schadenfreude in, in, or schadenfreude, however you want to pronounce it. Because quite frankly, like I'm the guy standing on the sidelines who's retired from these fights, and I'm watching people chew each other apart. And I'm like, knock yourselves out. Have oh, yeah, fun. That's the I thing went through that, this. Like I, I'm not like it's not like I see someone criticizing Last Jedi, and I'm like, screw you, you're <laughs> what's wrong with the world. I'm just like, that is that's a weird opinion to have. I do not get it, you know. But it's not like I'm going to you know whatever. But uh, th- th- this is what I'm seeing, though, right? I'm seeing, like, fans who are somehow feel that Last Jedi is, like, a betrayal. And in in a very similar way that, that fans felt about, you know, the prequels. Um, and then I see, and this is where the flip side of it is, I think, 
I see a lot of people, and this goes to what, what you were saying at first, you know, a lot of people who are like, don't be precious about Star Wars. You know, it, it doesn't need to fit into this box. It can still, you know, do something new and be Star Wars too, you know, yeah. or whatever. And it's it's a good movie, and that's all that really counts is is that it's a good movie, and and that's what it is. Like w- the people who I see saying that, the people who I see reacting in that way are the people who are not the hardcore fans, the people who are casually watching this and who are just like, this movie's good, you know? Like, not like, well, what would, how does it fit into, you know, the, the, the overall Skywalker saga? They're like, what? This is episode what? It didn't say on the poster, you know? They're just like, this is a good movie. And, like, that's different from, like, what happened with the prequels because you did have the fans who felt betrayed, but then you also had the people on the outside saying, like, this is garbage, and then the fans who did like it are like, but it's Star Wars, you know? So, I mean, I don't know. I, that's that's the difference there. I don't see, like, mm. people saying, like, this is Star Wars. That means you have to like it. I saw that with the prequels. I I think I'm actually I, uh, kind of guilty with that uh, with the prequels, but uh, I'm not seeing that here. Th- you know? This is def- this is definitely a, a a difference in perception and anecdotal experience. Then because that, I that could I be. have seen that I've seen people literally call uh, people who are critical of the Last Jedi as uh, the darkness that needs to be driven out by the light. Okay, okay. If you want to get melodramatic about a film. <laughs> I think you take the cake on that. Like, seriously, take a victory lap and high-five everybody because you just won that race. No, that's, but like, that's dumb. <laughs> yes, it, it is. But it, it it is definitely an anecdotal thing. But even more so, I I have to stress. I have to, like, like bold, you know, put it header one font on a website somewhere, you know, that sort of thing. Put it up there. I promise you that the criticisms I'm throwing at it are not rooted in the fact that it's a Star Wars film. No. I'm simply being as critical of any film that I would, and it happens to be a Star Wars film. No, and, and there is that, and that's fine. You know, But I think that most of the criticism that I'm hearing is, well, there, there are a couple things. There's, one, there's a, a huge amount of, I've seen this multiple times from multiple people where they're like, Rose is the worst character in the history of Star Wars. You know, there's that, which I don't understand that at all. But then there's also, like, the whole, like, they destroyed the character of Luke. Like, he, they they ruined it. See, look, see, look, even Mark Hamill thinks that they destroyed the character of Luke. You know, like, like there's a lot of that. And, and like, that's the stuff where I'm just like, what? I, what? I don't understand what you guys are talking about at all. Well, I, 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 can, I like, I understand what you're talking about. I disagree yeah. with it, but I understand it at least, you know? I, and they, I would say, I would say with the, the, the complaints about Luke, I think that sometimes people are out there who struggle for the right words about why they don't like what happened with him um and i think that that is something where uh, you know uh, if you want to blame social media or whatever you know yell at people on your lawn or something but like 
it is, I think, something where it's impossible to just have a discussion when you're in a forum where the amount of characters you're granted are limited. Like you ha- you would have to type out the blog post and like put it as a series of like 400 tweets on a thread, right? Yeah. Or post something on Facebook that nobody's going to read or post a picture on Instagram that nobody's going to read, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Nobody cares about the because. And then people want to, I think, anticipate the being cut off. And so they just throw it out there as fast. as. D- does that mean that there aren't people out there who are completely unreasonable? Uh, no, it doesn't mean that. It just means I think that the, you know, it's it's like this uh, worldwide uh, episode of like Crossfire on CNN or something like that, where everybody's just yelling at each other and, you know, nobody's nobody's actually listening or being cool with the fact like even if somebody were to come to me and maybe this is just you know my my battle scars from from the prequels and stuff like that but like if somebody today were to come to me and say you're stupid for not liking the last jedi my reaction would not even be to get angry it would be uh okay yeah no i mean i all right i i I totally agree with that i don't well, because I mean, I I've always thought that that was, <laughs> you know, I don't know. People get sensitive when you disagree with them about movies, and I don't understand it. I well, know. I think I think what 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 we brush on is the fact that it is something that is a significant. Like people identify with Star Wars, and they have come to take a lot of meaning from Star Wars, and it and so something that it does feel personal for a lot of people when something is done that they don't agree with with Star Wars, which is why there was, there's been strong reaction to everything that's been released since 1999. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's a prequel, whether it's the Clone Wars, whether it's Rebels, whether it's The Last Jedi, whether it's The Force Awakens, whether it's Rogue One, whether it's the upcoming Solo, there is that component where people do feel a great sense of personal identification with these characters and it's like, the, you know, I, like I, I struggle to think, but like if they took, um, you know what? Here, I'll, I'll grab a Star Trek example. Bill Shatner uh, had a huge problem with uh, the way Nick Meyer took his character uh, at the beginning of Star Trek VI. Because remember at the beginning when he says, let them die. Uh, he had argued against that. He said that was too far for Kirk, and he wanted to show a moment of him you know, having a, a moment of like realizing what he said and showing regret visually. And if you look at that scene, you can actually see a, uh, like when it cuts back to him, that Meyer has cut out a reaction shot from him after he says, let them die. And that was specifically so that the character would have an arc sort of thing. But I mean, it's like, I say all that just to say that it's not uncommon because Shatner was like, Kirk could have all of these problems, but don't, don't make them that brutal. I don't agree with Kurt going that far with it, you know? Yeah, and, and what you're saying, I think, is, like, the the thing that I want out of these Star Wars movies, in a sense. Like, you're talking about how, like, every thing that says Star Wars since 1999 has had a strong reaction to it because it's so personal to the people watching. And I think that's true to some extent. Everyone loved the original trilogy. Everyone's on the same page about that. You know, you won't really find anyone 
who disagrees with the original trilogy being awesome. You'll find people who like the prequels more and all this other stuff, but you won't find anyone who disagrees about the original trilogy. And because of that, it's like we're all like we were all on the same team. And now, ever since 1999, we've been breaking off into different, you know, factions like the Klingon Empire and, and Discovery or whatever. <laughs> and now there's so, all this infighting, you know, and, and trying to figure I out where we all stand post Phantom Menace, you know, with every little incarnation of Star Wars. And what that shows more than anything is that while we all loved the original trilogy, we loved it for different reasons. And yeah. that's why I'm so excited about this new generation of filmmakers coming in and making their own Star Wars movies. Because while everyone loved and was inspired by Star Wars, they all loved it for different reasons and were inspired by different things. And I want to see how they manifest the franchise because I really do think that it will reflect on what the original trilogy is. Well, you know, even if it's something which, you know, you disagree with or it's it's not your Star Wars, it's somebody's Star Wars and that will sort of shine a new light on the Star Wars which exists now. So that's what I'm looking for. That's what I want and that's what I think Ryan Johnson in particular brought. So, yeah. I would have loved to have seen what Miller and Lord brought, you know. <laughs> be interesting, wouldn't it? Yep. But there'll be I no. Yeah. <laughs> it uh, <laughs> uh, hey, you know, everybody saddle up cuz we're going to be uh going through this again at the end of May, so. Mm-hmm. Woo. Yeah. Um yeah. Well, I you know, as always, it's um it's always interesting when when we go down this road, uh for sure, and it's um I always find it extremely stimulating to talk to you about this stuff because there are points on which you and I very much agree. And then there are just those points where you and I are just, you know, opposite ends. But isn't that the nature of every human relationship out there? Even the people that we're married to, there are going to be things that we just don't see eye to eye on. But if there's something that somebody uh, has agreed with you on or disagreed with you on, where can they find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K, and you can also find me doing another podcast called Film Damage on uh, filmdamagepod.com or also iTunes or wherever, where uh, we take a look at movies from the perspective of the booth. We do a lot of uh, talk about talk about film projection over there. So, uh, yeah, head on over to filmdamagepod.com and check it out. Do yourself a favor and listen. It's uh, it, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Uh, you can find me online. I am Kessel Junkie. You can also find me right here on the network co-hosting Aggressive Negotiations with Matthew Rushing. And you can find me on my original podcasting gig co-hosting Words with Nerds with my pal Craig. So with all of that said, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Great Shot Kid. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.